You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they built their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey, folks, with us today, Bogdan Preduska, founder of Hyperhuman. Bogdan, super happy to have you. Thank you, Nicolas. Great to be here. Excited to have our conversation. Awesome. Let's dive right in. What problem does Hyperhuman solve? The biggest problem that we identify and are solving is content production at scale for the health and fitness video, well, for the health and fitness industry. So if you imagine the amount of content that is being consumed at this point, after the pandemic, after the consumers got into this mind, mind space of, okay, I can mix digital and in-person experiences. I'm thinking about, of course, health and fitness activities. This created a huge demand of content, which is not sustainable in the way traditional businesses are, are building or creating their content strategy. Imagine you need to post-produce, record, uh, deliver, maintain all these um, company assets, which are gold for companies, videos, on-demand content. And if you are not the Nike or Apple or the bigger ones in this industry, it really becomes very hard to maintain to shoot new content, deliver anyone. So what we do is being, uh, giving a streamlined way with AI-powered tools and specifically design AI video processing uh, capabilities for companies to streamline Cross. And then the, is the typical customer like, like a gym or who's like the typical client for you? Yeah, I think this is the, the obvious uh, and very interesting uh, question is who, is who is the best client for us or who do we serve best? I think that, that's the best uh, way to put it. Um, on one side, we had the digital company. So digital means Ojima Health and Fitness products. The, I don't know, Freeletics, Nikes of the world. But of course, the, the rising stars, I would love to have a few bigger ones uh, as a name. Um, well as platforms, um, connected fitness hardware. There are so many companies that have content and support service. This is the bread and butter. And of course, how to produce it, how to deliver it, how to make it personalized, how to make it and generate lead leads from this content through social media. This is a super challenging. And to be honest, this was always access accessible for larger players. So these are the SMEs of the world from that space are our typical clients. And all, on the other hand, you have the uh, traditional American order businesses like gym chains and, of course, whole companies that still have a physical presence. And is it like, like a 50-50 split or where do you see like more pull right now? I think we, I would say 70-30, 80-20 towards the digital because if, Interesting. if that's your, uh, imagine you are launching a connected hardware, right? Let's say a product that is great to use. How do you ensure people will buy it and use it along the way? Because of course, I'm buying not the product, I'm, I'm buying a health outcome that I a goal, an objective, a higher thing that I want to achieve. I'm not buying a pen, I'm buying a tool to write a story. So this is something very important to get behind. Content is the king, and this is not just a shallow word. Content, personalized content 
because health and fitness is a journey and not a project or animal adventure. This is key for all the digital health and fitness companies. Of course, brick and mortar still are figuring out, still reinventing and positioning themselves after the pandemic, after this new consumer behavior. But I think at this point, I would say 73rd. Got it. And then you, you started roughly three years ago and, and you raised capital. How did you make the decision to raise VC uh, for this startup? Uh, that was a very interesting journey. So, well, back at Fitbit, the Fitbit was acquired by Google. Um, end of 2020, the acquisition was, was completed. And of course, I was always passionate about this industry and I was seeing this in all my professional lives, uh, how companies are reinventing the wheel on the content side and how they are struggling to keep a constant feed, clients happy keep the content fresh and personalized and make work for their audiences. So this is always something that I always saw as a big challenge for this industry and of course as an opportunity. We started with exploring this idea so my co-founder and I uh, in summer 2020 then uh, after figuring out a little bit what's what's going on and what's the appetite of the market and what's the very prop, we decided to go full throttle of course Reject the Google offer, go with the, in the unknown space of a startup and all the fun uh, nights and challenging uh, weeks. Uh, and of course, to build a global product from day one, our mission is to make world's health and fitness universally accessible, reusable, and profitable. With having this mission and of course, the ambition to become the go-to content production infrastructure for this industry, and requires, of course, help. From uh, from our VCs, uh, which we decided to use from day one. So, and we were fortunate to be, of course, trusted and backed by uh, leading VCs from this region. Is there any? I mean, right now, it's for a lot of VC-backed companies. It's like not the most fun time. I mean, the the, the funding market is, is quite hard. Is there anything you? in the last months did specifically to like adapt to this recession because like it's like a while ago that that like us tech people had to had to deal with something like that so how are you managing that like as a founder right now let me say something controversial uh, it's not fun to be a bc funded company because it everyone sees only the positive and the great news millions putting in new companies i just saw one Generative AI, when we were using AI, when when it was not cool and it was not a buzzword, so <laughs> just real world uh, usage. So I just saw a seed first investment of one company raising 150 million or 140 million. Oh, that's that's quite a big and seed. <laughs> I don't know what's the market, what's the I, okay. So VC money is a blessing and a curse between because of many reasons, especially in Europe, where people are thinking uh, like, I'm a VC, but using the spreadsheets and the numbers like a traditional investor. So you want to have the two words, the good ones, only when the positive things from one side and ignore the negative side. VC means venture capital, means risk, merit means taking and putting bets. In Europe, there is still a balanced 
let's say, belief in how VC money should work, what uh, the return, what's the risk. Uh, so you get this, ex- let's say, explosion or hockey stick that everyone expects from, I mean, not from day one, but immediately after the investment. Spend fast, grow fast. Don't, don't think of, I don't know, many things like profitability, like breaking even. Like, and of course, this creates a lot of unhealthy habits for companies and unsustainable things for many businesses. Like now we see also the reverse and the dark side of this, uh, of these patterns. Nowadays, these are the most visible, visible uh, aspects of VC-funded companies. So okay, getting to your point, yes, we, we knew this from day one. We, this is not our first venture. Dan and I founded a company many, many years ago, Corporate Wellness Platform, with 50K raising money in Dallas, building a corporate wellness platform. <laughs> I, that was fun. Uh, so uh, we knew what the, the expected you know, and what the pressure expected outcomes and the uh, milestones investors see. We knew this from day one. And of course, we took this as it is. Many founders are hit by the train later because they don't know what's the investors need to get their money back. And they have a uh, high return of investment expected outcome, let's say, as unexpected. Um, if you are not delivering, their investment is bad. It's hard to mitigate. And it creates a snowball effect. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. So is there anything besides going in eyes wide open and knowing that those are the expectations, is there anything specific in terms of like fundraising or choosing the investors yes. that would specifically be interesting for European founders? Yes. Uh, I, I don't, if you would like to think of these options, I can give you a few examples. So I'm actually a conservative entrepreneur founder. I still believe in the real business and creating margin or gross margin from value extraction and of course all the theory behind it I, my MBA teach me that so build a sustainable if I sell the I don't know uh, glass let's say sunglasses if someone pays 100 that I'm producing it with 50 plus marketing plus whatever comes uh, on top of it 80 and 20 dollars is my profit but it seems that tech forgot these rules and this best practices, and everyone is not or avoid, avoiding speaking and thinking about profitability, breaking even, invest versus return. And maybe you get into a spending speed, which is actually counterproductive because. Uh, you need what gives what you buy with money, early stage money, is time to figure things out, 
to learn it faster than you spend money. If you don't do that, then you are running out of money, didn't learn anything, you didn't bring it to the next level in terms of closer to a market fit or closer to creating value to a larger pool of clients, and you are just mitigating with new cap. New cap. You can do it as a founder, but you, you can even start differently and speak. And I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of success stories that work without venture capital because if you don't have money, you need to find more creative ways and streamline a lot of things and spe- uh, think of how to deliver this without resources rather than hiring 10, I don't know, X, Apple, Google, whatever, uh, because I have the money. Um, so to, to, your questions, I, to your question, I think there are a lot of creative ways to make it work up until to, you get to a, let's say, specific size scale of your business without uh, venture capital. You actually can also live only without venture capital. It really depends on the type of founder and on the type of business you are building. If I want to base, build a sustainable long-term business that I, let's say I'm creating a team of 20, 15, 10, whatever the number is, we are profit, profitable, paying all the salaries, getting some uh, returns back, and this can be a, your lifetime business. And that's completely fine. Let's not always put these VC stars, VC funded exit IPOs, M&As, uh, in front of, of us. Let's also think of creating sustainable businesses that don't need to be the next Facebook, the next world. I know a lot of founders and owners of businesses that are not sexy enough for the news, for the press, for the, um, the, all these events that you are seeing. And they are earning a lot of money and don't have the pressure, don't have the uh, expected hockey sticks uh, every three weeks, uh, three weeks or three months. I will have a new hockey stick, a new whatever, and they are completely safe and uh, on uh, and calm, and of course relaxed, and can think of other ways to achieve the next step in their journey. So yes, there are a lot of ways, and I should put it out there. I have huge respect and. We should always put also more founders that made it without VC or other type of capital. And it's not a big sexy business for VCs, but it's a sustainable business that breaks even pays for the salaries and the rent. Totally, totally agree on that. I would love to switch gears a bit. You're roughly a team of like 10 to 15. They have like 100 plus customers. How do you go about customer acquisition in that industry? Uh, we tried so many things out. <laughs> so when we started, we were a, a volume business. We said, okay, we, in, we are a platform on the production platform for the masses, for the individual creators of the world. There are so many. But guess what? They don't have the uh, audiences, usually, or the monetization strategy uh, to grow and to make money from their content. There is this final where only the tip of the iceberg wins and everything and everyone straddles. But we also had this in mind, of course, had, has 
have more volume in terms of using videos and processing data. So we learn and we train our systems and AI, and then move towards the businesses because they have the audiences, they have the strategy, they have the monetization um, options for their content and serve them. So we moved completely towards a gross margin business and not a volume business. End of uh, summer, early fall last year. And uh, how we get to these SMEs, which are our usual um, clients in terms of profiles, of course, serving only free markets, only English speaking markets, most mature ones, US, UK, and Australia. We actually started Australia because it was a very interesting market to test. Uh, we, Dan and I, so my co founder and I are, let's say, out of five days, three days, all afternoons are, are blocked for. Uh, sales meetings, introduction meetings, the presentations, follow-up, and all the, of course, the sales funnel, which is fun. I never saw myself as a sales rep. Um, we also have an excited partners network with companies that complement our offering, and they are also uh, referring us. And of course, it's a commission-based uh, agreement to waive. Uh, as third one, we have sales reps. Um, uh, mostly from the US, I think all 90% of them are uh, the US, which of course, uh, they are having the right connections, reaching out to the right type of companies and are getting, of course, uh, the commission from these activities. So we don't have a full sales force as we speak. But to be honest, I think we are excited in that time of our life where that this is the best on all the heading, we now are exactly in that sweet spot where we also streamline the whole business uh, development and sales process. So how we reach out, what our uh, benefits why, oh, to the, for the client, how we should uh, approach them, how we should follow up with our proposal, pricing wise and all that. So that was a learning that took us two years in terms of process. Imagine spending one million, everything what we raised in hiring 20 sales reps after six months of having a basic product. Everyone will say, hey, these guys are working amazingly. They will grow exponentially. And guess what? After six months, you spend all the money. Probably you don't know who is your right client, who is your stakeholder in these companies, what teams are you know. Uh, purchase drivers, decision makers, endorsers, and all the stuff. And this is how companies usually do. Basic companies. <laughs> Good point. Quick question, because you, you said that you basically, you and your co-founder are doing sales, and then the, the sales reps in the U.S., are those employees you have in the U.S., or are they like basically freelance? So tell, tell, tell me more about Tell me more about that. That's super interesting. How, how did you find like freelance sales reps and like how do you structure the deal with them? Totally. Uh, this is a very common uh, practice in the US. And I, I would not say yeah, they are human freelancers. They are all with the right network and expertise from this industry that, of course, are both advisors uh, uh, and can help us grow our products and offering. And also, they are very well connected. These are the two or three new ideas that we are looking for partner up with. We are reaching out to these uh, people, saying what we do, 
how we work, we want to learn and partner up with you. And of course, propose a commercial agreement with that. So they are not at all our employees because we wouldn't have the money to afford this type of like people. I'm speaking about director of content, head of content uh, in digital companies, former founders, or uh, head of sales from other um, tech, uh, major tech companies, which now are more, let's say, um, free in terms of picking their projects and their investment. So it's it was, a, again, a learning for us to find the right profiles and to reach out to the right people that also believe in our product, which is also very important and rewarding for us because they are putting some energy in, we are putting some energy in, and we make this work in t- uh, for both parties in terms of, of course, if it's working and if we are selling, then we both win. And of course, also the customer. So in a way, it's like partner, it's a like a, a partner channel in in a way. Yes. Like not, not affiliate, affiliate would be like not closely regular, but more like partnerships. Exactly. Exactly. So it's in the partnership with individual experts and gurus, if you want, from this industry and partners with companies and complementary companies uh, to our offer. So these are the new channels that we identify that are working for us in getting to the right companies. And of course, selling to B2B uh, is completely another process and completely other things that you need to know, which we learned the hard way uh, in the last, I don't know, 10 months, eight months since we are doing it. Uh, every day. Can, can you give us a, a war story from the sales room? Like, like what was like the, the hardest part about figuring out the whole sales thing? Yes, it's always uh, figuring out what to say to a person that is getting bombarded with hundreds of emails and messages every day. That was step one, to create uh, five sentences, six sentences, short ones, Outreach, and we have um, an amazing return of our cold outreach, um, uh, let's say, uh, processes. Sixty percent, seventy percent of the people that we are connecting to and reaching out to from these companies are getting back and set up at least an introduction. Equal. Quick question: Do you do that on LinkedIn or via email, or like very tactically? How do you do that? Multiple channels. Uh, of course, being in this industry for nine, ten years now, uh, you still have your personal network, which you are expanding. We are also part of two amazing business organizations from this industry. One in, in Germany and Europe at Germination, uh, the Tech Club, which is bringing all the digital health and fitness uh, companies under uh, this umbrella organization. Uh, as as the let's say me, me, mutual network of exchanging and learning from companies, exchanging lessons, learning best practices, which is a, super useful for us. And in the US, we have a similar organization, uh, the, the, tech, uh, the Fitness uh, Technology Council, which is similar, bringing US companies under this uh, organizational umbrella. So, yes, this is. Uh, 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 and big, let's say, 
company and then the stakeholders from that company, how, what's the best channel to get to, to them and reach out to um, It's time consuming. It's uh, very, uh, let's say, you need to know to film the company to see if you can create value and if they are good shapes for, uh, for what we do. And um, of course, sometimes it, uh, it can lead to, I don't know, wasting time, but I don't want to waste my time and their time if it's not. So we are not buying emails from everything. There are so many practices out there. You buy 20,000 emails and send a book email out. No, we are doing very personalized handpick profiling and then reaching out um, to and because we were coming close to the time, just as a last question before we wrap up, what's the big vision for Hyperhuman for you? I think I mentioned this at early stages where we were um, just preparing the, um, the VC part and the uh, scaling up part and all the, the fun uh, buzzwords. We want to enable the, the industry to make the health and fitness video content universally accessible, profitable, and reusable. And of course, our, let's say, high-level goal is to become the go-to platform for producing smart on-demand content that delivers the best outcomes for your audience in terms of health goals, fitness goals. Of course, uh, all the 360 health-related attributes, and of course, as a uh, sustainable impact uh, to your uh, business. This is what we do and what we want to be. I don't want to see companies struggling and reinventing the wheel on the on content production side and always look at the big white hub and the Nikes of the, the Apple. They have the knowledge, the infrastructure, the uh, processes. All the best practices in the world are now combined in the technology and in the infrastructure and the AI power tools that we are providing to these companies. So it's like getting your private video production crew and studio and uh, the Nike level or Apple Fitness uh, experience at the click away. I think that's an amazing vision and a great point to wrap it. Bogdan, it was a pleasure to have you on. Many, many thanks, Nicholas. It's always fun to speak about the things that you are passionate. So really, really enjoyed our conversation. If you like this episode, then you'll love the SaaS Operator, a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.